So in our morning ritual at the Earth Shrine, we're setting our intention of our practice for the day, that it may further our own freedom and understanding, and that it may, may it be a support and blessing for others, for those we know and care about, and for all beings. And each day of this retreat is is precious. It's a rare opportunity for all of these conditions to come together. So we want to really take good care to be fully here. And the habit of the mind is to is to look into the future, you know, to worry about the future or to plan for the future. The Buddha is pointing us back to right here, right now, this precious moment, this precious opportunity. And so, so... We need to learn to to trust that if we take care of this moment, of how we meet the moment now, that helps to take care of how we meet any situation that may arise in the future. If we know how to be here, present in the body, to be caring and attentive to what is going on here and now, then we've developed the capacity to meet whatever we need to meet in life. And as we know, life throws us all kinds of unexpected things. Last night I was speaking about the Brahma Viharas, the uh, divine abidings or the immeasurables. And our tendency, the tendency of the sense of self is to be contracted, to, to shrink and to be small. And, or it may be, we may have a large sense of self, but in the bigger picture of things, even a, a sort of big, expansive sense of self is very limited. So, you know, it can be that we think, oh, let's try and make myself more perfect, more. Uh, intelligent or wise or compassionate. And of course we do want to cultivate those qualities of compassion and wisdom. But in a way those qualities are not ours. They're natural qualities that arise when we get out of the way, when we're not trying to control things. 
And uh, as long as we're operating from a sense of me and mine, wanting and not wanting, there's always going to be stress. It's dukkha. It's part of the nature of being a separate somebody. So in the practice of the Brahma Viharas, we're giving space to that which is not personal. It's not, uh, it can't be identified as belonging to anyone. And yet it arises within our own being and it transforms our being. And making space, creating a more spacious awareness is an essential part of the practice. The sense of separate self by its nature is small, it's limited, it's uncomfortable. Sometimes we might look at other people and think, oh, if only I was like them, they are so awesome. If I was only like them then my life would be okay. But uh, probably if you spend some time with them, you'd find that they have the same thoughts about others. Because the sense of separate self is naturally, inherently unsatisfactory. In the Brahma Viharas, we're opening to a, a greater truth or a greater reality, a greater resonance then the little me and mine story can really uh, accommodate I'd like to invite you to take your posture for meditation Begin with just checking in, checking into your body, feeling the contact of your body with the seat, allowing yourself to fully be here. Being aware of how is it to, how does it feel to be here right now? Are we bringing in, you know, we may be bringing in worries or sorrows or hopes, expectations, judgments. And they begin in the in the mind but they lodge in the body so just checking in with your with your body mind and seeing you know are there places of tension or anxiety or anticipation How do they feel? 
And taking a breath and breathing into your body, taking, letting the breath make space, dropping down from the head into your torso, into your heart, into your chest, into your belly. making space. I'd like to invite you to bring awareness to your heart center. It's helpful you can touch your heart center. Just for a moment, staying, establishing your awareness here. The heart wants to awaken. It knows awakening. It knows wisdom. It knows spaciousness, expansiveness. It's, uh, these are natural qualities, and the heart knows them. The head doesn't always understand. So sometimes the head is trying to Tell the heart that it's more limited than it actually is. So I really want you to drop down into the heart center. And yesterday I gave an image of uh, water making its way through rock. Water has this amazing versatility. It can be a, it can be droplets. It can be a, a little stream. It can be a river. It can be an ocean. Bring your attention to your heart and just seeing what you find there. And it may be that you find rock, a rock face with the tiniest little crack that the water is coming through. And if that's the case, take care of that water. Recognize that that water, that little trickle of water has the power of an ocean when it's allowed to be free. Breathing into the heart center. Letting the trickle or the stream or the river or the ocean 
of, of kindness, of compassion. Letting it flow. Oftentimes we feel we can't have kindness and compassion for ourselves. It's easy for others, or maybe it's not so easy for others. But for ourselves it's so difficult. So as we sit here and do this practice together, letting the waters of love and compassion come through us as they wish to, Remember that we are all part of the same circle. We are all part of the same circle of humanity, of sentience, of life. And somehow we create this distinction that All beings are worthy of my compassion except for this one, except for me. So what makes this one so special? Can we bring ourselves into the circle of humanity, the circle of life? Perfectly imperfect. We're never going to be perfect for more than a split second. Just like every other living being. As we sit here and allow the waters of kindness and compassion to come through, whether they're tiny little drops, or trickles, or streams, or rivers, or oceans, Allowing the particular character, tendencies, body that they're coming through to be what it is. It was never meant to be perfect. We were never meant to be perfect. This world, there's nothing in this world that is absolutely perfect. It's all changing. Everything's leaning on everything else. We are all part of each other. So good having a sense of acceptance for the imperfection of this world and this being here, this one. I'm teaching this to myself as much as to you. 
And with the acceptance of the imperfection of this being through which the waters of compassion and kindness are flowing. Whether you can allow yourself to be bathed in these waters. Allowing the opening in your heart center, inviting it to open a little wider. So maybe fear of losing control or an attachment or an identification of being someone who can't do this kind of practice. The heart knows differently. It loves to open. waiting for us to allow that opening breathing into the heart center Breathing in, receiving, 
the kindness and compassion. Compassion is non-judgmental. Breathing out, sharing it with all beings.
with, uh, I just want to share a few more words and then we can have some time of questions and responses. So the Buddha gives this simile of a lump of salt. And he says if you have a lump of salt, you know, about the size of a, a tablespoon, and you put it into a little cup, a cup of water, a little cup of water, and then you drink it, it's going to taste really, really bad. But if you take that same tablespoon of, or same amount, you know, of salt, a tablespoon of salt, and you put it into a lake, and you drink from the lake, it's probably going to taste sweet. You might have the tiniest trace of salt. It might even just be that perfect amount to keep you healthy. But it won't taste bad. And he says uh, the the lump of salt is like um, the results of our past actions. You know, it might be like we we all come in with stuff, and we've all probably all of us have done stuff in our lives that we don't feel great about that we regret, whether it's long ago or recently, things that we uh, wish we hadn't done or had, have worked out the way we'd wish was otherwise. And that is like this lump of salt. And so if our heart and mind is small, like a little cup, when that salt drops in, it tastes really bad. It's painful and unpleasant. It's hard to be with. But if we can make our heart and mind greater, more expensive, then that same, when that same uh, regret or uh, difficult memory or situation arises, it arises in a much greater space that can you know, make room for it. And it doesn't, doesn't hurt in the same way. It doesn't throw us around in the same way. It can even be helpful in reminding us to not go down that route again or or if it's something that happened to us you know reminding us that this is the nature of the world it isn't the perfect world we would like it to be and uh, i don't know for you but for me that's an encouragement to practice more diligently to uh, recognize the limitations of this of this uh, samsara, of this round of rebirths, as the Buddha calls it, and to seek freedom from that, so that that salt in a in a in a big mind, in a in a lake of a heart and mind, can be an incentive for greater uh, towards greater freedom. So this is why I like to emphasize the, the practices of opening the heart and mind and healing from, you know, we need to clear out. We don't have, you know, a whole like, uh, what are they called, salt mines? We don't have a whole salt mine going on in there. So we, we, need, we need to keep, we need to, once we start practicing, we need to align our life with that in terms of ethics and uh, And recognizing our faults, asking forgiveness, 
starting again and forgiving ourselves for the imperfect beings that we are. And if we think we're beyond that, if we think, well, no, that's not for me, I am perfect, then I do know one or two people (laughs) who actually kind of own up to such thoughts. Um, Then we'll have compassion for you. There's much learning ahead of you. (laughs) So yeah, this practice of um, literally making the, expanding the heart and mind is is a very important practice. And it can be that as we do that, you know, we may have a meditation where we have great expansiveness. We feel really, it's really beautiful and the sense of self drops away and there's just the quality of metta, just the quality of, Karuna or Pekka, and it's beautiful, and it's real. And then the little self comes back again. You know, we contract back into that little. Somebody does something or says something, or, and then we contract back into that little self again. And, and then we can get judgmental and critical about that. We start beating on ourselves for that. So then we're compounding small self, compounding small self, compounding small self. So just to, just to watch out for that. And uh, it's very natural when the heart and mind expands to, for, it to, for it to contract again. And then we take some care and time and allow it to expand again. And it will do that and then it, it'll contract again. It may contract a little less. It may contract more. But the practice is to just keep going. Like in the, there's a term titration where that's um, spoken in, in regard to trauma, where you know it doesn't work to just go into something and try and sort it out, but you go into it and then you take care around it and then you come back out. And then you go in again and you take some care and then you come back out. And the practice is like that. We go in and we we take care of the, you know, we make more space for that salty, unpleasant experience, and and then, and then the space contracts, and we're we're small again, and then we make more space, and then we whoop, back into the little self again, and and the more we do that practice, the more we we keep going with that practice, the less believable the little self story becomes. We can be kinder to it. We can have a bit more of a sense of humor about it. We can recognize how shared it is amongst us all. So uh, the expansiveness and the, you know, the Brahma Viharas and the states of emptiness, which can happen, openness, these are natural states, natural states that we have, have forgotten so when we come back into those places, there is no me and you, should and shouldn't, right and wrong. It's, it's, it's aligned. So I'd like to... Oh, actually, I actually have a couple of questions in my pocket. Okay. So one question was around... Um, so we're going to want to shift into questions and responses. And one question was around having difficulty having meta for oneself which is a very, very common experience. 
So I hope I have addressed that to some degree this morning. That uh, you know we are imperfect, so we need to bring ourselves into the circle of humanity. There was one day when I I recognized I was in my early days of practice when I was so hard on myself where I would say something and then I would criticize myself for you know 20 minutes afterwards. And it was wrong, wrong timing, it was uh, stupid. And, and then I thought, would I do that to anybody else? If so-and-so did that, would I, would I think that? No, I wouldn't. I would just either think it was funny or not really notice or appreciate it, but I wouldn't criticize anyone else the way I was criticizing myself. And then after a while, it's like, well, what, what makes me so special that I'm supposed to be something perfect that I don't expect others to be. So then there was a conscious practice of bringing myself into the circle of humanity. And for a while I would stay, there was like two, so I would sit outside the circle and then put myself into the circle, so there was two, and then see how would I respond if that was, if that me, that sounds a little weird, but how would I respond if that me was someone else? I would be okay with them. And uh, you know, compassion actually needs relationship. The qualities for the qualities of compassion to arise, there needs to be relationship. So, I used to think it was a bit of an odd thing to do, but it worked. So I did it, you know. And I was a little shy to tell people at first because it sounds a little schizophrenic, you know, me and then the one I'm looking at me. But uh, it turns out that the way our physiology is designed. Is that's what we need to do in order to have compassion. So it doesn't work to just say, I'm going to be compassionate towards myself. We need to, we need to be compassionate towards a part of ourself. Or, you know, it's, there, needs to, there needs to be two. There needs to be relationship for compassion to arise. This is, this is uh, how we're made. So, so you find your way. How can you... Um, welcome yourself into this, into this life and into this uh, adventure of humanity. And then the, the other question was around walking meditation and uh, enjoying. You know, it's, it's so beautiful here. There's so much beauty to take in, and it's gorgeous, and it's constantly changing. And, you know, so the question was about. Um, you know the the balance of centering and and taking in the beauty. So what I'd like to say is, when you're doing a formal walking meditation, it's very very helpful to keep your gaze down two or three yards in front of you. So you're limiting your sense intake, sensory intake. So you know when you're walking down the hill to to the you know, to the meal or whatever, sure. Take in the sights, stop and enjoy, and be mindful of that. As Josen was saying, you know, be aware of seeing and be aware of how that impacts you. So that's all good. But if you're doing walking meditation, it is a, it's just as just similar to when we're sitting. You know, when we're sitting, we're not sitting, looking around, having a chat. You know, we're bringing our attention inward, settling, and it's the same with the walking meditation, reining our attention inward so that we can be with the body walking and allow that rhythm and, that, uh, and the wisdom of the body to 
to speak to us. So uh, if there are a question or two in the hall, thank you. Okay, three. Uh, I think I saw you first, so at the back. And then... Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, we got it. Thank you. Uh, I'm really appreciating the intentional cultivation of of, um, of the heart. And it is quite distinct from me from the experience of just following the breath. And so now I'm coming to conflict of the decision for when to simply follow the breath mm-hmm. and when to intentionally cultivate mm-hmm. either mudita or metta. Yeah. We, we like to be told what to do, isn't it? <laughs> I really knows. appreciate prescribing. Knows it isn't me. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're both good. So there's no loss. So if you decide to, uh, for this time, I'm just going to be with the breath and let that settle, then that's, that's going to be a good practice. And if you decide, you know, for this time, I'm going to be cultivating the heart and choose one of those qualities. It's also going to be good. So there's no loss. So I think it's more useful to to you know to see well what is the result of this you know rather than what's the right one. They're both right. They're all you know, breath and all the Brahma Viharas. All of them are right. So there's no going wrong when you're practicing any of those. Um, and it's more like, well, what is the result? If I just stay with the breath only, what is the result of that? How does that, you know, what, what is the result of that? And if I'm just with karuna for a meditation, what is the result of that? And then there can be a bringing together of the two. It's, it's, it's not the same as just being with the breath, but one can use the breath to stay present with the heart quality. Then at some point... There's a, there's a sort of a, a, they kind of rest together, so there's no there's no longer a duality between the breath and the and the and the metta or whichever quality you're cultivating, but the breath is imbued with metta, and it's and the, the awareness is very steady with the breath, but the breath has the quality of any of those Brahma Viharas. And yeah, I'm going to go to you next. Just put your hand up again so Julian can find you. Thank you. 
Um, I also appreciate uh, the intention to cultivate compassion for ourselves. And I think there's a balance between compassion for others and compassion for ourselves. And this, I'll say, is my misunderstanding in the past, is that to alleviate others from suffering, we would take on their suffering responsibility and caring. And I think we also live in a world where others want us to carry their suffering. And so how can we meet someone in suffering with compassion whilst also maintaining our own um, integrity and love for ourselves? Thank you. That's such an important question. Yeah, yeah I think this is a danger of... Uh, of mis of unbalanced practice of compassion is that a little bit like I was saying last night that we're sort of leaning. You know, it's almost like the heart is sort of out and leaning forward, and and then when we're off balance, we're already off balance if we're meeting the suffering of others in that way. I mean, it's difficult. You know, when when we're it, you know depend, we all live different lives, and some people are directly faced with you know every day with with really difficult stuff and. Uh, there can be a, a wish to be able to respond to it in a way that's that's helping to heal, but it's I mean it's a little bit like you know when when you're in the airplane and and it's like you you put your own oxygen mask on before you put the oxygen mask for the other. It's kind of like that. If if we don't have some balance in our own being, then we can't. We're no longer a source of support for others. And I think it's very very common, and it's just, it's very difficult to keep that balance because there's a sort of a partly as you say an expectation and also a, a wanting you know we want to we want to we want all beings to be well and happy we want to help we want to benefit we want to and yet that's again that's not really including ourselves in the circle of humanity fully because as human beings until we're free until we're very highly accomplished we we're limited you know we and we have to take care of ourselves so um, I found it very helpful when it was pointed out to me, and it was pointed out in a very clear way. It was very pointedly pointed, at it, pointed out to me, actually, by Venerable Analio, um, who knew me quite well, you know, he knew my practice, that it's really essential not to be in that place of leaning forward and spilling out, but to be, to be able to be centred. And so the... The practice from a scriptural tradition, the, the practice of karuna, is um, that that centered intention. It's like you're you're really fully centered, and it's the intention of may I be free from harm and any intention to harm others, and may others be free from harm and any intention to harm others. And that if you do that practice as on the cushion, it it rewires a place of compassion that is very, very centered. And, um, and then in response to the world, you know, it is, it is more, you know, we do feel, we, we're thrown around by things, we do feel the suffering of others and we want to take care. But if we're, you know, if you think about like hospital staff, if hospital staff are, are thrown around by the suffering that they're encountering every day, they're not going to be able to do their job. 
So there's a, there's a grounding and a centering that has to be there in order to respond in a way that's actually helpful. So that I've found that practice, um, that shift of practice, of karuna practice on the cushion to really help in the, in the responding. And, you know, I forget and I get lost. And I've, so then just, you know, as soon as you've, you realize that you're kind of leaning forward too much um, in, in, in your life, to remember to okay, I need to I need to pull that back in. I need to, and that um, you know, much as many of us would like to save the world, we can only do our our piece as limited human beings, and we each have something to bring, and to just sort of trust that, and to be to be willing to be able to to to. Um, live from that rather than from our beautiful ideals. So I hope that's helpful.